I really want to thank Miro, one of the most useful tools. They sponsor this podcast. They are my go-to resource when it comes to working remotely and collaborating. They're also great for an office, but let me paint a picture for you. Everyone here is working from home in some capacity. Either we have peers that work from home, maybe we're part in the office, part out. Collaboration can be chaotic. Miro is the ultimate digital whiteboard and visual collaboration platform. You could be a remote team, you could be a creative agency, you could be a solopreneur. Miro allows you to brainstorm, plan, and execute seamlessly. Picture this, you're in a virtual meeting mapping out a huge project with Miro. You can drag and drop sticky notes, sketch wireframes, organize ideas all in real time. You collaborate with your team no matter where they are. This is a game changer. If you are ready to transform your workflow, you have to try Miro today. To show you how powerful it is, I created my own Miro board that you can check out at Miro.com slash success pod. It has a ton of resources for entrepreneurs, but it will also show you all the functionality of Miro. So go to Miro.com or go to Miro.com slash success pod for a ton of resources. Try Miro today. It's going to radically change how you collaborate with your team. Welcome to Success Story, the most useful podcast in the world. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, as well as the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network has other great podcasts like Marketing Made Simple, hosted by Dr. J.J. Peterson. Now, Marketing Made Simple brings you practical tips to make your marketing easy and, more importantly, make it work. If you like any of these topics, you definitely want to go check out the show. How to write and deliver a captivating speech, how to market yourself into a new job, how design can help and also hurt your revenue, creating a social media ad strategy that actually works. If these topics resonate with you, go check out Marketing Made Simple wherever you get your podcast. Today, my guest is Carlos Rodriguez. Carlos is a former legendary esports competitor turned entrepreneur and successful CEO. He was born in Madrid, Spain. He came to prominence in esports as a professional World of Warcraft and later League of Legends player from 2006 to 2014, competing and placing highly in international tournaments across the globe. As CEO of G2 Esports, he has grown the highly decorated brand to business success driven by his accomplishments with industry-leading sponsorship deals, production and sales of merchandising, as well as securing multi-million dollar funding deals. Business leaders and people that have worked with Carlos recognize him as an inspiring and innovative leader with the ambition to revolutionize the entertainment industry as a whole. An incredibly interesting podcast. We spoke about how he transitioned from actual, not actual, uh, the legacy definition of sports into esports. Uh, we spoke about the evolution of his gaming career, some of the things that he had to work on to be the best, the the number one uh, League of Legends player in the world and World of Warcraft player as well. He was it. So he had honed his skills, some of the things that he did to train to be the best, some of the requirements that it takes to operate at that level, but ultimately how the industry has evolved over time and how he's been with this industry since its inception when he made about $2,000 in his first tournament to when now players are signing multi-million dollar deals. Uh, he spoke about leaving the industry as a player and pivoting into business ownership, starting G2, 
uh, one of the most prominent teams in esports in the world, uh, first ranked in Europe, the most prominent, number one in Asia, and number three in North America. He spoke about the evolution of the industry, but also the evolution of G2, how he built out a business in a new category that has never been defined yet. He had no mentors. He had no playbook to follow. Uh, we spoke about um, globalization of esports, how it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from, um, you can excel and succeed in esports. Uh, we spoke about uh, the mentality between being a player versus being a business owner, what translated, what didn't. We spoke about uh, the audience and how do you get new audience members into esports. We spoke about how it compares to more traditional sports. And then ultimately, how he sets his goals, how he's always been a pioneer and an innovator, how he's become the number one player, how he's built the number one team, and how eventually he will be large enough to compete with some of the largest sports franchises globally and how he hopes to accomplish that. His mindset and his drive is absolutely incredible, an incredibly smart individual. You'll understand why he was successful. Let's jump right into it. This is Carlos Rodriguez. He is a former legendary esports competitor turned CEO of G2. probably 13 14 going to high school and um, I mean I never really liked high school never really liked to study too much but I had to because my parents had high expectations of me um, but I realized you know competing in different sports throughout my life I played soccer I played uh, paddle which is like tennis with walls it's very well known in Spain and Argentina I always loved competition and um, and I realized there was a form of competition that was extremely accessible. I didn't need to uh, buy any gear for it. I didn't need to take a bus. I didn't need to go anywhere. I just could be at home, click two buttons, and have competition against somebody around the world. And and that was video game competition. That was esports. You know, that was a way in which I could literally compete with other people in a game that I would consider myself good and then somebody would give me the truth that I was, you know, <laughs> after competing against him or her, I'd be shit. And so that was a great feeling, you know. It's two clicks into direct competition with someone I don't know. I don't know their background, I don't know their race, I don't know their color, anything. And that to me felt beautiful. That was beautiful. I feel like that moment defined my life, actually because I spent more and more time competing online with other people in other video games. And that's how I ended up building a career out of it. And and what is the first version of a career? Like, when is it, like, when I think about traditional sports, you know, you're going through the collegiate system and then you probably, you know, go through NCAA and then you mm -hmm. go into like semi-pro and maybe you're getting like a, a really bad salary, like a couple of thousand bucks a year for semi-pro and then you try and make it to like the pros. But when do you start getting paid? Like, what's the monetization so that if somebody's doing this, you get that first dollar in the bank from esports? I mean, the obvious answer first is you know there's tournaments that have price money depending on where you place in them right the challenge is that those tournaments uh, for the most part happen uh, offline somewhere and in, in a city that you have to fly to and cover accommodation so um yeah back then there were a couple of tournaments that i i got a hold of and and i told myself you know let me let me qualify for it uh, or try to qualify for it right and the qualification system here is very open in the sense of if you are 
the best player in the world, unlike in traditional sports, there is probably close to 0% chance that you will not make it. Because everybody has access to your ranking. Everybody has access to... Everybody will know right away just by looking at your... at the data available related to your games that you play. Uh, when you're training by yourself, everybody has access to, you, to that data. Uh, everybody will know if you're good, actually, or at least you could be good, right? If your numbers look good, then you have potential and then someone will try you. And so here for qualification, it worked the same way. You know, I looked at people that I thought were good as well, just by looking at ranking, contacted them. It was a three versus three um, uh, game. It was in World of Warcraft. I remember it. And, and I contacted them and said, hey, you know, let's play together. We don't know each other, but, you know, let's just try, this, try to qualify here. And I remember that one of them had no money to to because they had to pay five, uh, ten bucks to qualify to to enter the qualifier, and I paid it for him. I said, "Yeah, you know, I'll pay for you, and then you give me twice as much if we qualify, okay?" And he said, "Okay." So I paid it for him, and we started training. And yeah, we. I mean, as I said, there's like you go up in the ranking, you win games, you go up in the ranking, you lose games, you you go down in the rankings, and the top ten will go to the event. Well, we were not only part of the top ten; we actually were the first team, you know. So we qualified to the event and it was in Hanover. So I had to find a sponsor and I found somebody that paid for our trip, which was a catastrophic trip. I mean, it was like, I probably took like three planes just to get from Spain to Germany. <laughs> and and, it's not a and good then trip. there, no, it's not, I mean, for me, it was great. It was actually beautiful. And we all slept in the same room um, in two different mattresses. Uh, so I was sharing bed with someone and, and, yeah, that's how it all started. And then I brought home 2000, 2000 bucks, uh, which my parents were ecstatic, you know? Like, they were like, what's going on? Like, you're playing video games and you just brought home more than we both earned together, you know? So it was insane. Um, and this was, like, when you were starting in esports, uh, was it a, an established industry or were you kind of like, you were, you were playing games you were building out like your professional esports you know persona you were winning tournaments was that basically as esports was what it was starting I mean, to esports be was very bare bones at the beginning right it was really really bare bones it's like nothing existed yeah. it was like just events tournaments the contracts we had i mean i remember negotiating my own contracts i don't even want to remotely look back at whatever the <laughs> hell i signed back then because it would have i'm sure it was garbage uh, like worth uh, as, as toilet paper uh, yeah, but uh, but you know it it was it was the very beginnings you know of this thing, and yes, compared with how it is right now, man, the industry of esports and video game competition right now is fucking insane. Like my team, so I I I'll talk about it later, but I founded the largest, most relevant team in the world called uh, G two, right? And so there is you know in G two we have players that get millions millions of dollars a year. Uh, we buy out players for millions of dollars. We sell them for millions of dollars. There is player transfer periods. There is contract durations. There is deliverables within each contract. This is like very professionalized. There are employees, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, you know. And so th this is like sports level contracts, like traditional sports level contracts and like uh, rules and regulations within each league and game, uh, which back then was not like that. Back then it was the Wild West, man. And whoever, <laughs> whoever was willing to take the risk, like me, like I did, then uh, you could go both ways. So you you make two thousand bucks, um, and then that was your first tournament. Uh, so now you're now you're like hooked on it, obviously. So what as as you grow up in your in your 
like I don't even know, like your esports career probably is the best way to put it. Um, you just you're starting to go after more and more tournaments, and the industry is evolving. And is there like a is there like a point? Was it the first tournament where you're like, this is going to be my life? This is what I want to do? Like I've sort of validated because two thousand bucks is two thousand bucks, but it's not a lot. Like it's really not that much money. I mean, back then, by the way, back then it was like the world to me. Like yeah. I said, my my mom and my dad worked pretty much all day. My mom was a makeup artist. My dad was an uh, electrician. And between them both, they didn't bring home 2000 bucks a month. So that was like, I, I thought I was the richest man on the planet. I could buy half of Spain with that money back then. <laughs> and, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's, yeah I, I did not think for a second that this would be how my life would look like. And I kept studying, obviously. Um, but, you know, I, I've never been a person... I mean, now now I force myself to like think ten years ahead, and it work, It helps me. Uh, it helps guide me and give me ambition. But back then, I did not know these tactics, right? So I would just pretty much live day day to day, doing my best and trying to quote unquote survive and become the number one, which eventually I did. Um, but I wasn't so much planning as I was just living in the present and working really hard on being the best. And what does that what does that mean for esports? What is being like? How do you become the best? Because if you're talking about all the different uh, different games that you could play, do you just focus on the one that's growing the fastest, that has the biggest community, and figure and play that again and yeah, again it's, and again? Yeah, it's, it's a very good question, right? So I I will say I got lucky on my first move in World of Warcraft because World of Warcraft just happened to be one of the largest games back then. But then in the fourth year competing in that game. 2009, actually, I I decided to quit World of Warcraft. And I decided to quit for different reasons than the game being smaller. I didn't even think about that. I, I quit because I felt like I wasn't the owner of my luck. How, like, I wasn't... Like, the game had certain things that would make it so the class I play in the game mm-hmm. would just become uh, less and less... Uh, up to me to win with, you know? So I was like, yeah, I, I don't want to do that luck. Yeah, out of my control completely. So I decided to quit, you know? And and I quit on my peak. Uh, I think I I, I, I played, uh, I, I won in Europe and then I played the World Championship and I think ended like third or fourth, I can't remember exactly, and the first with my class, you know? Um, there's like different classes in the video game. I was playing Warrior and I was the fair, the best Warrior in the world, right? And so... Yeah, then I decided to quit because of that reason. And then I then asked myself, okay, I want a career out of this. Uh, so I think I have a gift f- to play video games. I think that I'm, I, my eye-hand coordination is pretty good. I, ha- I think that I can think on the spot really well as well. And also I have no fear. I mean, I, 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 I am inherently a very confident person, which is very useful in game um, to assert dominance in, whenever you're playing, you know, and, and, and facing someone. So what game should I play next? What game fits my skill set? And what game is played by a lot of people? Because the more people that play the game and watch the game, the more prize pool I will have access to, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when I consciously decided to go for League of Legends, which is, uh, even as of today, one of the largest games on the planet, if not the largest, I'm pretty sure it's the largest PC game on the planet. And that's when I built the next portion of my career for five years straight. Played that game, became one of the best in the world at it, played a lot of tournaments, built the brand, uh, created content, live streamed, and made myself, you know, a known, you know, professional player with a lot of fans. 
and and yeah, that that was a conscious effort, and I'm very glad that I, that I did that. Even though like League of Legends back then was not my favorite game, I just thought that I could be very good at it, and I thought that it, I could have a career that I could live by, live with. You know, um, when you're when you are trying to become the best at a game, what does your actual routine look like? What's your day to day? So that the you know in 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 traditional sports, you can't you shouldn't practice more than your body physically allows you to course, because then yeah. it becomes counter counterproductive right when your muscles are too tired then you get into bad habits and uh you know yeah you get you get into bad habits when you're too tired uh, but with video games i always say if your mind can take it you should be training uh you're not going to get exhausted on your arms you're not going to unless you really have a fucked up way to pick up the mouse or the controller, <laughs> you're not going to develop carpal tunnel, you know? Like, yeah, like it's not going to physically tax you if you just do the ABC of what to do when you play games, like a stretch every now and then, turn up from your chair and like, you know, stretch and whatever, right? Uh, but uh, but mentally, it's very taxing because every game you play, you have to think about a thousand things, a thousand things while you, you're controlling your character, while you're thinking about what your team is doing, what move should the team do next? What is my opponent thinking of doing? It's just very taxing, you know? And you have to take it seriously so that you can develop good habits. So I think that an average successful career has a player training eight to 10 hours a day. And there's players that can take more. There's players that can take less. There's more creative players that benefit more from playing only six, seven hours. Whereas there's more uh, players that benefit a lot from repetition that, you know, having 11, 12 hours a day help them more. So it, 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 it ranges, you know, but for the most part, I think that the, 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 the rule of thumb is, is if you can take it, you should, you, should be, you should be practicing. And the way in which you practice, there's two ways in which you practice in esports. One is alongside your team. So if it's a team game, you practice alongside your team and you practice against other teams or your sister team. And then you practice team play, you practice call-outs, you, you practice together. You know, you learn how to play together the game. You practice picks and bans. You practice the way in which you guys play the game together. And you practice uh, what you your team is known for. What is your play style, right? Which takes <laughs> hundreds, if not thousands of hours, okay? Um, and then you practice by yourself in the sense of you practice your mechanics. Imagine this as if you're in you're an NBA player and you're just shooting by yourself, right? Just shooting at the basket for hours. And and the way in which you do that is is every game has their is something called solo queue. And you just queue up and then you automatically get placed with other players in the world in your team and other players in the world in the opposite team. Random people that are of your level, more or less. And that's how you, how you practice. You learn new mechanics, you develop your own. And yeah, and those two combined make up for um, the totality of your practice. Some players like to go to hit the gym. A lot of them actually like to also read books and just develop their minds. And I have come to realize that it does help depending on the player. Yeah, no, I was going to ask like if there's any um, any like physical or mental exercises that you do that that translate into. But for you in particular, it was mostly just practicing the actual game that you're playing. Yeah, I mean, it was that practicing game. I was hitting the gym as well, and I was reading books. I like to read books a lot, and I like meditating as well. I picked up um, reading books and meditation when I was 17, and funnily enough, it was when everything just boomed. You know, like yeah, 
and I, I have never lost the habit anymore. I don't meditate every day, but um, I use it as a tool, you know, and and same goes for reading books. When I feel like I'm a bit stuck or I'm a bit overly stressed about something, and my current job, is in, it can get incredibly stressful, even more so than as a player. Um, but I, I've, just, I've learned the little tactics to, to, to get rid of that stress and to find solutions to complex problems that require a lot of creativity and ambition and balls, honestly. Like, sometimes <laughs> I just have to... Sometimes I just have to uh, take a leap of faith and, you know, using my gut feel as, as, as the faith, you know, and, and, um, and I feel like reading books and meditation, meditating and spending time with myself helped me greatly. Yeah, no, I just find it so fascinating because, you know, you, when you look at, when you look at traditional sports and you find the people that are the best, well, you know, they, they put in the hours and they put in the work, but then they find the best, they usually will find the best coach and that will sort of guide them. And because traditional sports, there's been people that have done it before, right? There's, there's training methods that have done it before. If you're, if you're the number one esports player, no one's ever really done it before. There's no coach that has done this as a professional for 10 years, you know, before you were even born, that knows how to, knows how to train, knows how to navigate, knows how to deal with contracts. So like, technically, you're, you're more or less on your own. Did you find somebody or was it was it you sort of paving the way? Because when I look at you and your story, it seems like you paved the way for how to coach, how to train, how to negotiate, how to um, how to build a brand, how to sort of operate at a high level when you're actually as, as a player. It was just you, basically, and probably a handful of other people that were coming up at the same time as you. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's, a, that's actually a good point. Like, it is true that I never had. I didn't I never had a mentor as a player like just never had a mentor as a player that simple because i was i mean i was not literally the first player but i was the first player you know in one the of sense of yeah. it, it, it was i was one of the first players you know and i could just look at my environment and say okay that works okay that doesn't work okay that guy got fucked okay you know i was just <laughs> taking my learnings the hard way you know and and yeah you're right i mean i had to build my own path and in a way that's why I think, and I'm very grateful for this, the industry, um, like my reputation and credibility within the industry is really high. It, it makes me happy that people look back and see me as, um, yeah, a, a legacy player that now is touching a completely different um, side of the business, you know? And, and ultimately, man, I feel like it's just it's just it's fun when you have to build a, a a path that's never existed before because you like you learn to take fuck ups and failures as just another day in the office you know like right now like the culture of G two it's incredible like I feel like people just know inherently that the only thing that will be held accountable to is to try out things. That's the one metric that everybody's held accountable to. Just try out things that haven't been done before or uh, try out things that you think you can do better. And that's the only KPI, pretty much, you know? If it. you fail at it, that's okay. But if you, if you get nothing new done, if you're taking no, no, no risks, then it's when, you know, when I start looking at you, uh, uh, maybe not a good culture fit. And I think that comes from my times as a player. Like so many decisions were straight up wrong. Even in social media, just having a big mouth, 
and it sometimes was great, sometimes it was shitty, you know. And I built a brand as a, 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 a my, my brand is completely transparent. This raw guy that is just bantering with everyone, having a good time, and sometimes misses the mark. That's pretty much me, you know. It's ex- and <laughs> it, and I love it, you know. I I really love it because you can't you can't you can't uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You can't serve the wave unless you're at the exact a proper place in the wave. If you're too high, if you're too low, you're gonna you're gonna miss it. You're gonna miss it. So uh, and 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 sometimes you you will miss the you will miss the mark. You will miss the wave. And and sometimes you missing the mark uh, is gonna get you a lot of hatred. And you have to be okay with that. You know. So I feel like going through all those failures, including shitty contracts signed, including bad decisions around changing players, including whatever it is. The fact that I can't look at a Bible and just say, okay, I was right, or okay, this is wrong, and just look at just the results of my actions is very reassuring and like almost liberation, you know? It's like a freedom, you know? You, yeah, that I'm you, in can, charge. you can you can trust yourself. You can trust I think that's yeah. the most powerful thing you can ever do. You trust yourself. You know that if you had to you had to do it all again, you had to figure it all out again. You just trust that you'd do it because you figured it out once. And now you start to understand that if you can figure out and navigate all the, the good, the bad, and the, and the shit that happened to you, and you do it successfully once, you can do it multiple times. And you probably, you know, yep. your your career and your life is going to look different in another 20 years from now, whatever that is. And then you'll figure that piece out. And I think that's probably yep. the most powerful thing you can do. And you can only fi- you can only ever come to that conclusion if you failed a lot. Because then, if you haven't failed, you you don't know how to deal with the failure. You don't know how to trust how you'd react when when stuff doesn't go the way you want it to go. So I think that's yeah, probably and why also you it's just the, the yeah. small things in the day to day, right? Like yeah, small things, small things, whatever small may be. You know, it's like when something is out of the comfort zone. It's like the reason you just don't want to do it is because okay, what if I do it and then I do it, I don't do it properly, or what if yeah. I try to do it and it's just not the expectation I had? It just doesn't matter. You know, it just. Just, just go, you know, just do it. Yeah, what's the worst case scenario, you know? You you, you, you lose the evening? Like, what is the worst scenario? You lose 100 euros? Like, what's the worst case scenario? You know, just try it, you know? If you're really feeling it, well, why not? You know, if anything, you get a 100 euro lesson. I always say yeah. that, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, okay, so as you as you grew in your career, okay, so you left you left esports, like, as a, as a player, what, in 2014, right? That was, like, your final year. And how, okay, yeah, so. Yeah, right about, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, okay, so compare, compare, I guess, your first year as an esports player to when you left in 2014. You made 2,000 bucks on your first tournament. In 2014, the industry's matured. Just so people who don't understand esports or who don't really know the industry, how much money are people making in 2014 when they're winning tournaments now that it's evolved? What, that, what does that look like? I mean, like? I, can, I can tell you about my, my, ex, my experience, you know? I was... Uh, Professional player and also created content, had my own sponsorship deals, had my contract with my uh, team, and played in tournaments, as I said. Um, and so I I was uh, racking on the on my last year on a team. I thought it was six hundred and something thousand euros uh, during that year, um, roundabout. Uh, years before, it was probably like a little less, five hundred and something, then four hundred and something, you know. And, and probably there was a point where at the very beginning of my career, I was earning maybe 20K, 30K only uh, mm-hmm. a year. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it grew organically and, and, and fast. Um, but yeah, so 2014, I'd say, was when I quit, was probably the year where salaries, not price monies necessarily, but salaries caught up 
to the actual value of players. I remember back then when I was competing, my salary in or compensation in the team I was playing in was not very high. I mean, in comparison with the with what I was uh, generating per year myself, it was a small portion. portion. Whereas right now, top players, what they earn as compensation from their teams is probably like 70% of their overall earnings, right, for the year. So things have changed a lot in that regard, which gives a lot of security to players and allows them to take this as a, without the need of being business savvy like I was, uh, well, I wasn't like super business savvy, but at least I had like some ambition, you know, to 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 learn things, learn how partnerships work, how to create value for brands and stuff like that. Now players don't necessarily need to have that ambition. They can just be a good professional player that is insane in the game and just come double down on that, focus on that, and they'll get paid well, depending on the game, of course, right? The larger the game, the more they get paid. It's almost like there's a very mathematical game, you know. Is 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 if the game is played by many and watched by many, you'll get paid more if you're good, you know. That's how it simple. is. <laughs> it's very yeah. simple. It doesn't matter your gender, you know, or whatever it is. You're gonna get paid yeah. more, and if people don't watch it, you're gonna get paid less. This is how it is. So, but I think it's pretty well developed right now in comparison. Yeah. Now it's not at the point. It's not at the point, uh, especially in 2014, where like some of the salaries that you see in like uh, professional sports, right? I'm just curious about um, the viewership too. So when you look at traditional sports, and you get a signing, you know, you get a five, ten, twenty million dollar contract, whatever that is, and that, and sometimes much bigger than that too. Um, there's so many eyeballs that, and there's probably so many dollars that you're supposed to bring into the organization. So. Uh, in 2014, when you're paying, when you're getting paid like $600,000, that would still be considered like a low salary in a professional sports arena for most for most leagues. Um, so where is it now? Where is where is esports now? I want to talk about G2, but where is esports now in terms of if I'm the best player in the world and I'm I'm signing up with a, a certain league, uh, what is what do those bonuses look like? Are they in the millions? Because you mentioned before, now you buy players yeah. for millions. Now you so now yeah. it's starting to catch up. It's like it's very much yeah for sure. Let's imagine you win world championship plus your salary plus what you earn as a, as a you know streaming and stuff like that. You're probably earning five six million dollars. Yeah, okay. uh, you know, in in the largest game on the planet, that's very very possible. Um, again, it depends on the game, but that's very possible. Yeah, and also keep in mind that players have what three four year contracts, and if yeah. they're getting paid just a basic minimum compensation of a of a million point two or something, that's already a three point six million contract guaranteed over yeah. the course of three years, or like four point um, eight million dollar contract over the course of four years. That those start being large numbers, you know. Yeah, that's 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 starting to uh, definitely like compete with like the types of contracts you see with traditional sports. Yeah, and, and I was actually checking. I have an Excel sheet. Uh, I I, I <laughs> did with my co-founder. He's a he's a mentor of mine actually. His name is Jens Hilgers. He built the largest um, uh, esports league in the world called ESL. They just sold it for a billion dollars recently, and he's my co-founder in G two as well. And he's been my mentor for the longest time. Um. And he, we together made an Excel sheet uh, checking uh, gross revenue of traditional sports teams like NBA, NFL, and so on, um, and the valuation of those of those companies. And we see that where NBA, NFL, specifically NBA, because NFL is a little, a little bit of a different beast, but NBA uh, thinking of salaries, 
and thinking of uh, corporate value and thinking of gross revenue, like the the pace in which esports is growing, is essentially five x what sports was growing at, and if things are to be um, uh, keeping up this pace, in no more than five to ten years, we will be uh, looking at current esports teams, the top ones racking the same valuations and revenue numbers than um, a lot of the traditional sports. And again, it's a different, very, very different business. But a lot of the things, or some of the things are similar. Uh, at the end of the day, it's audience watching competition, right? And there's different ways in which you um, monetize that. In, in the case of esports, there's a lot of sponsorship deals. There's a lot of uh, consumer products, you know, especially for the top teams like ours. Um, and there's one more layer, which is the digital merchandise, which traditional sports teams don't necessarily have besides maybe some NBA 2K deal they have with a video game or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? But but here we sell G2 skins in-game in many different games. So what is what this is, is, is items that don't make you play better, but make your weapon look different or your character look cooler. They have a G2 mask on it or something, right? And so for that, fans pay whatever it is, five bucks, whatever it is, you know, and we got a cut from it. And so that's that's another large, uh, uh, fast-growing revenue stream. But one thing we don't have is media rights, right? Because someone owns the video game. Nobody owns basketball. So um, as a result of that, uh, teams just have to get significantly more creative than traditional or esports teams need to get significantly more creative than traditional sports teams in building not only a brand that people want to root for, but also different revenue streams mm-hmm. that people want to spend money on. But yeah. that is being cracked on right now, and you can see the, the progress over the last, specifically, two or three years. It's been incredible to see, actually. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now, security is one of the major issues big tech is currently facing. From AI scrapes to data leaks, starting your business solidly can be just as difficult as growing it securely. HubSpot is on a mission to help your business grow better with a CRM platform that grows with you. Start your venture with HubSpot's easy-to-use, secure website builder that scales with your business. As you grow, ensure your team of two is just as secure as your team of 200 with secure sign-on, content and asset partitioning, and scalable team permissions. Whatever comes next, make sure your business is ready for it. Learn how your business can grow better at HubSpot.com. It's also, you also have an opportunity. So, you know, you're right. You don't have media rights, but what you do have is you have global access where most sports teams are regionalized and they're yep. and most of the revenue comes from a city, right? Or a country. That's right. That's that's where you have a huge advantage. Cause if you if you look at some of the largest like for example, we look at like, you know, soccer or football in, in Europe. Like not like not like American football, like like European uh football. And you look at the reason why it's so big, it's just because the the fan base is spread out across so many different countries, so many it's different true. regions. But if in the China, States, Southeast Asia, uh, yeah. you know, South Africa, you know, South America, all these areas. Yeah. But the States, like you have money there, but there's a cap. There's a big cap. That's true. But there's a, there's a cap. Like if I if I want to uh, you know if I want to talk about like different like franchises, if I go to like even like Green Bay Packers, like yeah, you're gonna have some fans outside of like you know Green Bay, Wisconsin, but you're not gonna have probably many fans or dollars coming in from yeah. like the UK. Yeah, you have the nostalgia effect of having gone yeah. with your granddad to the stadium when you were young and whatever. So it's like a regional, very hook, regional, you know that they have. In yeah. e- in esports, you're absolutely right. I mean, specifically, you know, for G two specifically, we're probably the most global brand at the moment. We're the largest Western brand in China, 
in games in, in gaming. Um, we are uh, number one in Europe and number three in North America, which in turn makes us uh, the largest within the context of, of, of esports. And which this uh, it, w- w- we had we had uh, examples years back of different publishers coming up with a franchise system that was regionalized, and we had to say no to it majorly because we don't believe in that regionalization. We believe that, number one, gamers have English more and more as the global language, regardless where they play from. Um, Again, there's differences, right? Like Russians playing with Russians, they speak Russian, right? Brazilians playing with Brazilians, they speak Portuguese, right? But for the most part, you see English becoming more and more the go-to language uh, for pretty much most distribution of competition as well as when you're actually playing video games with others just speak english right because you don't know if the like you have in your team a french guy a swedish guy a guy that is from new york but happens to be living in you know paris you're living in berlin and it's a spanish guy as well in your team so what language do you speak english you know and everybody knows (laughs) that you grew up speaking english so it's almost like the language makes it a global phenomenon now and as internet and technology gets better and makes it more and more possible. We're still a bit far from it, but it makes it more and more possible to, for someone from New York, for someone from New York to be able to play against someone from Paris with a decent latency, which right now is bearable, but it's like it's it's, it's not that good. Like if you want to play competitively, you can't play with like a hundred ping. You know, you need to mm. play with like thirty ping. You know, and that requires you to be in the same region. Now that that barrier at some point will be. Uh, hopefully gone and when that happens uh, absolute globalization will be achieved you know where you can literally play against anybody around the world in one language english and then what's where you got born worth nothing like it doesn't matter what your background is actually that's one of the things i love about gaming it doesn't matter what your background is you're a woman you're a man your race is whatever you got born in whatever it doesn't matter to anyone what your age is it doesn't matter. You know, if you if you hit heads in a first-person shooter game, you have our accolades. If you don't hit heads, you're going to get shot on, you know? <laughs> and, and that's the beauty of video games, you know? So, yeah, I completely believe in that global aspect from it and less and less believe in the regionalization that, that, that you know, traditional sports are inherently needing to have, you know? I'm happy you push back against that because I think it actually, you know, what you mentioned, it's a beautiful thing. Like, and, and yeah, you have like technology problems with internet speeds and latency and whatnot, but that's, that'll be solved too. So this is, you know, this is a, an incredible industry that actually is a true global industry. And I'm sure you do have some, I'm sure, like you mentioned, you know, you're not, you're number one in Europe, you're number three in North America, you know, you, you rank, what was it? The, the APAC ranking? It's like. In, uh, in, in China, we're number one in China. Oh, you're number one in China. So I'm sure there's still like some regional because people are probably programmed to like root for people that are geographically close to them and similar to them. But I feel like that's going to be a thing of the past soon. So I think that by pushing back on regionalization, like you're forcing people to think differently about sports. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, the problem is that a lot of these, a lot of. So Americans like blink blink a lot. Okay. And (laughs) I say this with (laughs) utmost respect, you know. As a European, I mean, I don't give a fuck. If you give me, like, courtside tickets... I mean, I, I was in courtside a few times, and it just doesn't feel that special, you know? But when I see... When I, when I, see, when I get someone courtside tickets for, the, for a Nets game or something, they're like, they can't believe it, you know? And, and, like, I don't know, it's just American mindset, you know? And the American mindset of Blink Blink heavily idolizes traditional sports. Heavily idolizes, you know? And even myself, I've tried it myself. I've tried, I've tried 
uh, in different ways to uh, work with traditional sports people. And there is a reason why it doesn't work. It's because they're not the same thing. Digital Commanding digital audiences in digital native platforms and distribution platforms is very different. Very, very, very different. You buy LeBron James, you, he comes into the Lakers, you automatically sell however many jerseys. You do that with the best player in the world in esports, you will sell some jerseys, but it's not even like remotely close to the amount of jerseys you would sell if you put some proper, high-quality, well-thought-through campaign and content behind it. So in other words, it's almost like traditional sports teams, as a result of the franchise systems majorly, but in the case of soccer, they have no franchise systems in, in Europe, they have no franchise system, and yet they fall under the same issues. Um, they tend to be just more lazy, you know, with their brands. You know, yeah. the, the craziest thing they have going for them is the mascot. I mean, fair enough. That's in interesting. But that, beyond that, there's nothing, you know. They don't understand Web3. They don't understand content formats. They don't understand how to create scripted or semi-scripted content with their players. They're, the players don't even want to make their content unless you pay them extra. I mean, it's really a mess, you know. So there is no entertainment besides what sports shows that have nothing to do with those teams do or podcasts that have nothing to do with those teams do. Uh, and, and so esports, we had to learn the hard way. If we want to build something that lasts for long and that builds a large fan, fan base that spends money in your brand, we just had to learn the hard way that we had to build something interesting. And that interesting thing you're building is not connected with where you were born. Because then you're putting artificial walls where there should be none. It has to be connected with your brand. What is your brand standing up for? What is your colors looking like? What is your mascot? What is the content you create? What what makes you special? You know, it's very different from where you got born. No, it's it's a good point. Um, okay, I want to. I feel like we can talk about this more, but I want to. I, I want to. I do want to talk about G two because it's it's kind of important. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as you left, as you left uh, being a professional player, you 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 could have just probably at that point. You probably could have like coached other players. You didn't have to go all mm -hmm. in and, and start a business, right? Like that's a lot of work, and I'm sure you figured that out um, probably the hard way. Uh, <laughs> you did all this, so and you started a business that I don't think really has ever existed before. So you started. So what do you what G two is? I'm I'm I don't know how to categorize it because it's not a league. It's like it's just like a conglomerate of players, right? Like you're almost like acting like as an agency. In the is that the best well, so, way? So to it no, it's, it's, probably, it's probably closer. So G2 is a combination of LA Lakers and Marvel. Like G2 is literally what would have happened if Marvel bought the Lakers. Literally. That's insane. We are a sports team focused on video game competition that builds its long-term value within the brand in the form of creating scripted content, animating it, so you need to uh, not only it. be a team, you not only need to mm -hmm. be a team, but you also have to be like a content marketing machine, basically. Absolutely. Even from day one, you look at our org chart and you're like, okay, that's a media company. <laughs> it has players that compete in video games and we happen to be the most competitively successful organization in the world across top titles. But, so that makes us the sports, that makes the sports um, uh, team uh, uh, side of the business. But where we truly monetize our, our brand is through the creation of, I mean, just content production and distribution capabilities, which we have everything in-house. 
And so we have um, a team of 30 plus people just in production alone. So we have a, a total of 160 people in the company now. And a large portion of those are in marketing. A large, large portion of those are in marketing. And what happens as a result is that, yeah, we play the games that are most played in the world. We go into the events, win them, lose them, whatever, you know, compete in them. Um, choose what names, what games are going to be, we think are going to be relevant tomorrow and build teams in those games ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then once we have those teams, we create content around those teams for socials. I mean, it doesn't matter, the, you know, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, yeah. YouTube, everything, right? Reddit, Discord, whatever it is. And and so, and then with that, we build sort of like a like a, we build our community that every day that passes, games come and go but our community continues to grow. Why? Because if one the game dies, the community evaporates? No, the community goes to the, another game that is maybe close to what that game used to be. Maybe it's a first-person shooter. Maybe the community will go to another game. We already happen to be part of that game. So all of a sudden, what do they do? They gravitate towards becoming G2 fans. So unlike traditional sports, we don't rely on a game being alive. We, are, we have the most portfolio approach you can think of. And, and, and the way assessing in which we, want it, we monetize is majorly through sponsorship deals, league revenue share, consumer products, both physical and digital consumer products, so merchandise. Um, and of course, you know, depending on the team, there are teams that make a lot of money by selling players, sort of like Ajax in soccer uh, in Europe, or like other, ga- other, other teams that just tank all, the, all the, <laughs> you know, tank the season every single time and try to get good drafts, you know, draft yeah, picks yeah, yeah. and trade them, you know. So... Yeah, there's teams like that, um, but yeah, I, I, I'd say I'd say it's a very it's a significantly different business than uh, at least it's a more complex business than one traditional sports teams have. Well, it's much more because you're so. I want to take a second and thank Indeed. They're a huge sponsor of the Success Story podcast, and as business leaders, we're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. It's to match with Indeed. Now, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. You need to ditch the busy work. You need to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster, All the tools you need are in one spot. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire you need indeed. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite. Now, as a business owner, I always remember when my company hits a growth spurt. It's great, but then you realize that things start to break. Things are taking three times as long. Manual processes start to bury your team in paperwork and admin, and you really don't have one reliable source of data or truth to understand how healthy your business is. If this sounds familiar, you have to know three numbers. 37,000, That's how many businesses have upgraded to NetSuite, the number one cloud financial system. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years streamlining accounting, inventory, HR, and more for growing companies. And one, because your business truly is one of a kind, 
NetSuite gives you customized solutions so you can manage everything about your business in one place from inventory to invoicing, one powerfully efficient system. I love having all of my data in one spot. NetSuite allows me to do that. It gives me the big picture so I can make smarter decisions and they turn complex financials into understandable actionable insights. Right now you can get NetSuite's popular KPI checklist for free to help improve your business. It's designed to help you boost performance across key areas of your business. Go to netsuite.com slash scottclary to download the checklist and see how one complete system can transform your growth. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Get more control in your business with NetSuite. Just a quick question. Have you ever had one of those oh no moments when you realize that you accidentally deleted a huge file or worse, your whole computer dies? I know I have. It's happened to me a lot, but don't sweat it. The sponsor of today's episode, Backblaze, they have your back. It is unlimited backups for all your Macs, your PCs, or even your whole company. And it's really affordable, under a hundred bucks a year. If you're running a business, they take the stress out of protecting everyone's data. If you need more bells and whistles for compliance, so on and so forth, they have enterprise options too. Honestly, losing data sucks, but Backblaze makes getting it back easy. They have restored billions of files. They offer tons of restore options, including rapid recovery in an event of data loss or ransomware. And you can access your backed up data from everywhere and anywhere in the world using their web app, iOS, or Android apps. It's been recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and tons more. And best, you can try it fully featured with no risk at backblaze.com slash story. They set up that link for all Success Story podcast listeners. That is a no-risk free trial at backblaze.com slash story. Seriously, back up your stuff. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. I want to thank Belay for sponsoring today's episode. They provide solutions that all of us need. They help us get back more of our time because time is the most precious resource. A lot of you listening our business leaders, entrepreneurs, you know that if you spend your time incorrectly, it can make or break your business, your personal, professional relationships. It can completely sidetrack you and stop you from reaching your goals. So I'm going to ask you, are you protecting your time? How much of your day is eaten up by tasks that could have been done by someone else? Wouldn't you rather spend your time on things that truly matter? The answer should be yes, because you have to, to move the needle 
on whatever it is you're trying to build. That's where Belay comes in. They are the nation's largest pool of exceptional U.S.-based talent. Belay offers flexible staffing solutions to free you up. Need a virtual assistant to conquer those pesky administrative tasks or maybe an accounting professional to really keep your finances in order? Belay can help with all that and way more. Their personalized matching process saves you the headache of hiring by finding the perfect match for your needs in as little as a week. Focus on what matters the most with the help from Belay. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to learn more and get started. I, I made the, the incorrect assumption. I said agency because you're representing players. And those players... No, we have a brand, in- right? So it's not like CAA yeah. or WME. Those guys have no, no, no brand. No, no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, nobody yeah. cares, right? So, yeah. We, yeah. Our players, we pay them salaries. They, we have deliverables with them. Uh, and they have their agents, you know? So, they, you know, it's not we're not their agents. We are their organization, their team, their their club, you know? And they play different. They they they're playing different games. So you're playing different games. You're you're creating content for them. It's like I don't think that I don't think what you've built at G two actually exists in traditional sports. Like I don't think that entity it actually exists. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. It's a it's a media company with heavy focus on video and competition. That just doesn't exist. When you first started it, what did you what did you do first? Did you find all the the players that you wanted to bring on, or uh, what was yeah, the first version? I built a of G2? team. I built a team, and I decided to play for that team. I was an quote unquote an attraction. Everybody knew me, right? And yeah, they were like, yeah. oh my God, you lo- you leave a top team to create your own team starting from zero, not even second division. It was like fifth division, okay? And yeah, I was, yep, I'm going to do it. And so I brought, I brought people on board and I competed, competed until I realized, uh, until I, sorry, my goal was to compete until I found somebody better than me. I was already quote unquote old <laughs> for, uh, for an esports competitor. And I was already, you know, after, after competing for nine years, I don't know, like your your targets and ambitions when you have won MVPs, have won trophies, have achieved everything you wanted to achieve, what's left to be achieved? Then your motivation goes down, you know? So I, I just I just wanted to phase out eventually when I found my replacement, which I did. And then when I did, when I found my replacement, I just quit professionally and just focused all in on being the founding CEO of G2. Um, I bootstrapped the company uh, from, from zero with what I earned as a player, put all my money there. And and Jens joined me very very shortly after, and I consider him a co-founder. He is a co-founder, and then together we we started you know pitching to different investors and honestly surviving, and eventually after survival was accomplished, thriving you know trying to look for ways to become larger, you know increasing the ambition of our targets. At first, I wanted to be a team people know. Then I wanted to be one of the largest teams in Spain. Then I wanted to be one of the largest teams in Europe. Then I wanted to be the largest team in Europe. Then I wanted to be one of the largest teams in the world. Then I wanted to be the largest team in the world. And now I want to be the media brand focused on video games that's largest in the world, which of course it's a it's a strong target considering <laughs> things like Fortnite exist. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the, but but it's, uh, you know, I always, I, I'm always a big believer that a bowman is that how you call it? Who, who who carries a bow? Archer, okay. An archer, yeah, archer yeah. is like is yeah. An archer is like is like aiming the bow a little too high, to so that it reaches further. You know, if you aim yeah. exactly straight up in front of you, it reach uh, it reaches uh, uh, it, it, the arrow goes for a shorter um, length. Distance, so, yeah. Yeah, distance. Yeah, just, so 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 it's it's important to me to have this crazy target in front of us. 
And I'm sure if you ask me five years from now, the target will be larger. What was the biggest, uh, the biggest mistake, the biggest mess that you had to clean up when you were when you were starting G two? What was the one thing where you're like, shit, <laughs> this isn't gonna work out? You know, I'm I'm actually not good at, I'm good at learning a strong lessons from each each of those, but I'm not good at like keeping them in my head, <laughs> you know, as a as a as a token of shame. You know, it's almost like, I feel like a, a good one is the actual name, okay? So it's G2, right? G2. And you're like, what does G2 mean? Like G2 means nothing by itself. But the beauty of G2 is that when I created the team, and here's the first fuck up of many, I thought to myself, oh my God, this name, nobody has it. Gamers2, gamers2.com. What a domain. How is nobody getting this domain? Gamers2.com. Oh my God, we are all gamers too. That's a beautiful fucking slogan. <laughs> yep, I learned the hard way that my English language skills were not up to par back then. Uh, and, <laughs> and at some point I was like, talk, I was talking to myself and I was like, brother, what is this? Like, what, are you, what, what were you thinking? What is this name? It's so cringe. It's so tryhard. It's so not English native, you know? And so I, I decided to rebrand, right? And we worked on like a thousand iterations of a different logo. And then we realized that you could make with the G and the two a mask. And in, in our case, we wanted to have a samurai mask because samurais are dope, you know? And, they are and dope. So, <laughs> and, and so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't want a new name. I want to carry this G2 as a token of shame forever you know i want to remember that i didn't know how to speak english back then so now it's gonna be g2 forever <laughs> and so g2 it is you know it's like it that things don't have to be perfect branding wise if you do a good job people are gonna follow you and the samurai as i said is dope so that's good <laughs> And by by the way, like there's there's other comp like there's another big company that actually like that does the G two thing too. So it's not like it's not like it's a bad name. There's like a huge G you couldn't get G two dot com. I think if you probably tried to buy that from G two, I think they're like a software rating company, right? Yeah, like, I, I, you, I, I, you, I saw that. I saw that. I saw that. But I, we we have a yeah. I love you. Yeah, G two esports works. I'm happy. Fuck it. It's yeah. It's good. No, no, no it's good. It's good. Okay. Um, as you as you grow G two, um. So now you build into a media company. Uh, what's the difference in your like? What's the difference between being a player, being an owner, and like what's the mentality? How do you approach problems? Like, what did you learn from that that switch? Hmm. I mean, as a player, you learn to do one thing really well. You become a specialist, right? It's almost like having a. It's like it's like mastering the sword, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like you become a master of that one thing. And whoever you face, you know that whether you win or you lose, you're confident in your ability to master that sword, to use that sword, you know? Um, there is no, not a lot of room for um, extraordinary ways to approach your work because the game has a set of rules you have to follow and you have you can be creative within those rules which for an overly creative person or artistic person it can be a constraint sometimes actually because after playing the game for a thousand hours you realize that 
those constraints constraints exist you know and and you just learn to live with those so i guess the biggest difference i mean number one i actually did learn very valuable skills as a player number one i learned uh, how to deal with people in high pressure situations some people like to be told what the fuck are you doing some people like to be told hey let's go through this together okay because i i think there's there's something we could do better you know and I learned the value of having people around you that know how to take responsibility over their actions and not be cynical about everything. Uh, so as, uh, I was player, but I was also the captain of my teams. So I did a lot of changes to my lineups and over the years. And sometimes those changes were good. Sometimes those changes, changes were bad. And, and I learned what makes up a good group of people. It's not just mechanics. In other words, it's not just skills. It's the, it's the attitude, actually, what makes up a, a good group of people. You need a minimum set of skills, of course, but after that minimum set of, set of skills is matched, is, 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 is achieved, you need attitude and a perfect merge of attitudes. And, and a group of five, five and five, uh, needs to have the humble guy that is the supportive mindset that will go out of his way to help a teammate when he's in need. He will, we will, we will need the super cocky guy that is a wholesome dude that just loves the video game but like it's incredibly cocky and you know that you live by the sword and die by the sword. If he has a good day, it's great. If he has a bad day, you lose. You need to have the guy that is like very serious and telling everybody, come on, get our shit together. You know, you need to have like that captain figure. You need to, right? And so there's different, independent on the game as well, right? So, so learning what each game needs in terms of the types of attitudes mix within each team is something I learned as a player. And something that I still to this day deploy in my job today. So it's not like my previous career as a player was useless. Quite the opposite. A lot of the skills that I developed then, I still use to this day, you know. But the biggest differences, I'd say, is the ability to be creative. Like in my job, there is no, there's no walls. There's like no limitations, you know. Like I literally wanted to make a song. I, I, I love singing, okay. I wanted to make a song, so I did a metal song, an epic metal song, and we went ham with it. We spent like half a million dollars in in building the <laughs> most real? incredible, incredible <laughs> high production quality uh, song. Best guitarist in the world, best drummer in the world, best celloist in the world, the celloist of Hans Zimmer. We went wow. fucking insane. Best songwriters. It was insane, okay? And I was the lead singer, okay? Which there's nothing more ego-focused than that. And <laughs> And I was like, why not? You know, you can do that shit as a player, you know? So yeah, it's just my, my job allows for a lot of creativity and a lot of fun. Sometimes I'm focused on video content, on approving scripts, on approving the final video, on approving the music, on the actual scoring of our pieces. Sometimes I'm focused on how we distribute all of that. Sometimes I focus on social media, the quality of our posts, which social should we get into next? You know, understanding KPIs, are we ahead, are we behind? Understanding consumer products, how consumer products look like. Then sometimes it's investor pitching time. Sometimes it's I have everything. to close sales. You know, it's like, and sometimes, very often, I have to spend time on the actual esports teams, the quality of the lineups, do we have to improve it? Sometimes there's problems, they call me, hey Carlos, 3 a.m., I'm homesick in Korea, whatever, you know, and I have to speak with him. And I, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a different job that touches on a lot of different things. So it's so fun, bro. I would do it. I always say, when I'm a billionaire, I will literally do what I'm doing right now. I love, dude, that's Literally awesome. the same thing. You know that you're doing the right thing when you could say that. That's amazing, yeah, yeah. man. 
confident as well. No, it's good. Um, I thought I thought one of the things you mentioned before was interesting. Like, you know, you wanted to get it to to the you wanna be the largest brand, um, I guess, you know, esports team, agency, not agency, media company in the world. And there's a lot of competition for that. And I think in one of the interviews I listened to before, you said you want G2 to be the real Madrid of, of esports, <laughs> which is awesome. So well, I, I, I remember that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, I, it used to be my dream to be the Real Madrid of esports, but now it's my dream to be in a position to acquire Real Madrid and not do it. Good. Good. Let's go. <laughs> let's, let's fucking go. Let's do this. Let's. That's awesome. Man. And not do it. Just. <laughs> How do you, okay. So, okay. So now you're at a point where, like, you have a huge, huge, uh, like G2's like enormous, but how do you become, how do you become, how do you take the next level? What's the next thing? Like if you're looking at the industry and you're like, okay, we have this media, we have all these great players, like we're making millions of dollars and, um, but I want to take it to the next level. What's the next level and what G2 could actually accomplish? I feel like it's, it's widening the funnel of our audience in the sense of our audience is comprised majorly of people that follow esports or play those games that esports are broadcasting um, and video games in general, right? But but less so casual video games. Like, for example, you know, there's the Minecrafts of the world, mm -hmm. Roblox of the world. Like, those are... I mean, my son plays Minecraft and Roblox in his iPad. And, and you know, those games we have no... We're not tapping into whatsoever. And no team is properly being able to tap into. Um, because it's very hard to find an excuse to do so as an esports team, right? So for us, the next step is to widen that funnel of audience. And we're going to do that through our exact know-how, which is counterproduction, animation, VFX, scripting, fantasy, and connecting that with our esports team. How so get... it's, again, it's, yeah. a, it's a first, it's never been done before. It's yeah. We're going to be the first we're essentially the first company on earth to merge the reality of sports and esports with a world of fantasy. How do you and get people that aren't even video game players or watchers into esports? Because that's the real opportunity. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we're trying to um, work. We are trying to be the bridge between those casual audiences and those hardcore esports audiences in a way that what if we tell a story within our fantasy world, everything done in-house, that that story is the story of one of our teams in one specific event, one specific tournament, one specific finals. But we, to we tell that story um, through the eyes of a universe we create that has nothing to do with the game we were playing that day, nothing to do with the actual players playing the game that day, but it very clearly winks at that moment in time. And it will be very appealing for current fans because they will want to watch it because obviously it references a moment that they deem important in the legacy of G2. And non-G2 fans or non-esports fans will have an entry point through something they're happy to watch, which is animation, whether it's an anime series, what you know, TBD, right? Yeah, um, yeah, and they'll be like, "Okay, this is interesting." Okay, and all of a sudden, they have an entry point towards esports that has nothing to do with video game competition, and so that's the bridge everybody's trying to be, because once you crack that, 
not open is going to uh, you're, you're going to reap the benefits from it by far. Yeah, I'd say there's a one team that is doing a decent job at widening that funnel, but they're doing it very differently. They're doing it through celebrity partnerships, which is FaceClan. FaceClan has a lot of celebrity partnerships, you know, with Snoop Dogg and whatever, but that's just prohibitively expensive. I mean, in the sense of FaceClan is not a company, you know, like this is just it's just it's a family bakery store. You can't really expect to build a business on the back of giving people shares to represent yeah. your brand, you know? So, yeah, that, that's why, you know, that's the, that's the not everybody's trying to crack. That's good. No, it's good. I, I like the plan. I think that, that, that the, the content strategy, just like creating these like worlds around uh, these worlds and alternative media channels and, and, and you create shows, you create all this different stuff that will bring people in, will get people like so excited. And then they, like when you, I think there's a the guy that I spoke to before. He he creates something. I can't remember his name now. It's so bad. But he creates what it, it's called a story world. And it's like there's like one piece of content that he creates. Then he creates books and movies and everything around that piece of content. Yep. And then you can you can consume a podcast. You can consume like a, a a Netflix show. You can read like five books. You can go on social. You can go in like little Reddit communities or what, even like Facebook. You do everything and like you you pull in all these people into all the other assets from everything you put out into the world and like people just become like like a, like if you think about like anime like attack on titan or something like that like if yep. you did like like six other pieces if you did like a netflix uh movie if you did like a video game if you did like yep, that's a it. podcast that's literally, on it, right that's literally the what that's the, that's literally the way we think and thought always yeah. about g2 g2 is yeah. a universe right is the universe of g2 we play many different games each game is different from one another each player is different from one another. Each piece we create is different from one another. We script or semi-script most of our most of our content. So every piece is literally different from one another. And we're telling stories consistently. Sometimes those stories Love are that. real, sometimes the stories are made up. And this is no different than that. We're just, we're just doubling down on, on, on that goal of ours. And that G2 universe, we want you to consume it in many different ways. Through music, like the song I just told you about and the scoring yeah, the of music our own too. content. Yeah. 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 It's just a form of, it's like a 360 media it's a, it, 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 to add layers in which you can consume G2. That's, That's all awesome, man. I love it. And entertain this way. And I, I want to do a couple rapid fire at the end, but um, just a couple questions to, to close off about G2. Um, what's one thing, after you've been in this industry for so long, what's one thing that you would change about it? What's one thing you don't love about how esports has evolved? Yeah, uh, trying to copy paste uh, what, what, works in traditional sports um which typically happens as a result of bling bling like i said because they get <laughs> starstruck by people in the sports world or because they lack the confidence to know that we actually are the best industry pertaining commanding digital audiences and how to talk to them you don't talk to them the same way you talk to traditional sports audiences the ads the the the, the commercials for esports fans and gaming fans are different, must be different than the commercials for sports fans. The humor, the <laughs> like, this, the esports fans see through the bullshit, man. It's incredible. Like you're you're not gonna lie to them. Like you know, the, the, this this email you receive from the Saudi prince that wants to give you Bitcoin or some shit. Like that's just like that automatically. Adam, there's a zero percent chance if these people play one esports game. 
there's 0% chance that email is going to get ever responded, okay? It's a different it's a different audience, bro. Like it's just yeah. you cater to this audience differently. No, that's funny. Um, okay, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Swag.com. Now, you know, if you've ever received a corporate gift or swag in the past, how many of those gifts did you actually keep? Probably not many, which is probably because the stuff that you got was not so great. I've gotten uh, like a lot of stuff from trade shows and from companies in the past that I've just thrown out the second I get it. So this is why you need to check out swag.com. I've been on the receiving end of getting garbage gifts. I've also worked in companies where I only had access to a really, really small inventory of stuff that I wanted to give my customers and my employees, and I knew that it wasn't going to resonate. I knew that it was going to suck. So what is swag.com? Well, it's like swag upgraded. It's the best place to buy custom gifts and swag that people will actually want to keep. So they sent me a box because obviously they're sponsoring the show and I wanted to see what it's all about. I, you know, I've worked in businesses. I want to make sure that the quality of their stuff actually was up to my standards because I can tell you right now that when I get garbage, it goes right into the trash. It like it really goes right into the trash the second I got back from the trade show or the conference or whatever. So I received one of the custom swag boxes from swag.com. I loved the unique packaging, so it was a beautiful unboxing experience. Uh, I love the actual products they sent me, and there's a whole bunch more that obviously they didn't send me, but the stuff that they did send was absolutely beautiful. It was very high quality, and I can only imagine that if I actually got this when I was working for companies, I probably would have actually used it. And to be honest, I'm going to start using them for people that work on my show and in my company as well because I know that this isn't just... Uh, a novelty gift that somebody's gonna throw out. It's stuff that they can actually use. They have so many unique and customizable gifts that I've never seen anywhere else. They have custom yoga mats, they have custom Apple AirPods, they even have branded kayaks, which I did not know was a thing. So they carry all these premium brands like North Face, Yeti, Nike, and more, and it's all customizable with your company's logo or artwork. So you're even able to create custom swag boxes full of great branded items and then you actually deliver them in a custom unique box. Uh, with swag.com they take care of all of your swag at their warehouse and they ship it to individual addresses or if you prefer uh, you can just send it to a bulk location in one single shipment. It's easy to manage uh, from their online portal which you obviously get access to. So if this is something that you think would benefit you. If you have clients or customers or a team and you want to go the extra mile and you actually want to give gifts that people appreciate, which is the whole point of giving these gifts in the first place, go to swag.com uh, for the perfect swag and custom gifts. Right now, they're giving everybody who's a Success Story podcast listener a special offer. It's 10% off your entire order, but only when you go to swag.com success and enter promo code SUCCESS10. Remember, for 10% off, go to swag.com slash success and use promo code SUCCESS10. Where do uh, where do people connect with you? Where should they go? What's the socials, website, all that? So um, best ways is, is socials, but we have a website, obviously, g2esports.com. Um, our, our Twitter, at g2esports, and my Twitter, at carlosr. I pretty much, we pretty much read everything, even though there's like thousands of mentions every day, but we pretty much read everything. If there is a comment, a question, anything, I'll gladly answer. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm readily available. I, I, I love awesome. coming in touch with uh, 
um, people that are not aware of esports, what it what it means, you know, how to even remotely get a hold of the first, you know, a tournament or something. Maybe just try to figure out which game is for you. Um, it's, it's it's also a good way to to you know banter and 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 talk and have a co topic of conversation with your son and daughter, you know, because a lot of those are playing and watching. Do you have um? Do you have like a like a like um like an incubator program or something for like people that are just starting out? Like, do you have like info like a, like if somebody like I want to get into esports, I want to go watch a tournament. Like, do you have info like info like that, or do you have like a up and coming players program where they can like? That's actually a beautiful question. You know what? I don't think anybody has that, but you, but it might not be a bad idea actually. We're so yeah, we're so tunnel visioned into our industry that we just lack the um creativity to look outside of it but that's actually a pretty good point let me actually write it down because it's i think it would work really well if i was if i was getting into esports and i've never played a video game or i play video games like casually probably that's the first person you want to target but if you had like a mentorship program where you like pair like up and coming like video game players and it, like it would take like not that much time to be honest yeah that, that's a very good point and at least to get them to understand okay if you want to watch a tournament or like what you know yeah. or figure out what game is for you this is the place to go i'll say though like um twitch.tv t-w-i-c-h-t.tv is the largest live stream platform for video games and you can just browse in there which game could be for you because there is games for all tastes like there's first-person shooters. There's car games. First-person, first-person car games with sim racing gig, uh, rigs that is like really advanced as well. There is like FIFA, of course, NBA 2K. There is card games. There's all kinds of games for all kinds of people. And if someone tells you I don't like video games, it's because they haven't found a video game they like. Guaranteed. You know, it just makes me think about, like, you know, the story of like how like uh, Mac and Apple got like so popular is because they gave like free computers to everyone in college in like universities and colleges. So by the time they graduated, um, they all used Macs and they all used computers and then like they were going to their that. jobs. Yeah, dude. So you do the same that thing. Like, an like expensive marketing tool, but I listen. I take it. <laughs> but imagine, no, seriously, it's an expensive it's marketing tool if you have Max. But if you if you're just doing that, if you're just doing that with esports, like you're not giving anything physical. It's just time. It's, it's time, true. and that's it. And you and you and you're you right. are the people that bring like everybody into the industry. You know who's going to be. You're going to well. First of all, you're going to have the best pick of new players. They're going to be. They're going to be hyper. You're going to have people like like that are like fan like huge like huge huge fans trying to get onto g2s you got the best pick of yeah, players we, we, we do stuff with the universities though we we, we do yeah. you know we, we get involved early in their in their in their lives and and try to add value there uh with nothing That's has what changed you do. Yeah. yeah yeah and nothing has changed and, and it's worked you know how we actually have a lot of uh junior employees some of them actually grew in the company from that and they're like data analysts and stuff like that yeah. and that's from literally from university and they might not even like know what esports was you know so doing yeah. these things uh, actually has been a great great tool to get really talented people hungry talented people into the world i think i think if you did this i think if you did this effectively and you targeted like young talent i think you mm -hmm. would easily become the best in like five years biggest and best it would be much easier than buying your way into biggest and best with just trying to like pay for eyeballs and and yep. win more yep I, yep, I, yep. If no, especially no one's doing it smart yeah smart uh, okay, let's do a couple of rapid fire to close this out. Um, 
Okay, obviously. It's rapid fire. I'm just I'm just fucking it up. It's like a slow no, fire. No, 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 no. You take you take you take as much time as you. I don't give a shit, man. It's like a, I say, it's rapid slow fire. Slow fire, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Spanish guy just can't stop talking, man. No, Somebody should great. have warned you before. It's great, dude. You're awesome. I love it. If you're ever in Miami, you let me know. We'll do an in person. I have a studio. I actually be in Miami first week of June. Hey, for real? Okay, so I'll yeah, give yeah. you my info. You let me know. All right. Um, All right. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, awesome career as a player, and then you built out a huge business. But what keeps you up at night now? I'm incredibly ambitious, bro. I mean, I have to. I feel, you know. Oh my god, that's it. This is a good example that, but it's gonna make me look like a, like a, like I'm out of my rukus. So I, I I went to a I went to a Hans Zimmer concert. Yeah. Uh, earlier this week. No, I, last week. Okay. Um, I thought it was like Wednesday last week. And 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 so I went there. I enjoyed it so much. I was by myself, but it was so enjoyable. I was like, I cried a couple times. Uh, it was incredible. That guy is a genius, and the people he surrounds himself by geniuses. Well, can you believe that I couldn't sleep? I was thinking for three hours. I couldn't sleep because I was angry that I couldn't put that show together if I wanted to. So I was like thinking, okay, I can't, I can't do a live show like Hans Zimmer. That was my, my, my standard that you're, I was all of a so, sudden just comparing by. Dude, but you're, you're like, you're, so you're like a special kind of person. That's why you've been successful because you think like that. I don't know, but it's, it's like a that. curse. I think, I think it's, I, mean, I don't know if it's a uh, curse or a, or a gift. I think it's both at equal levels, bro, because I was so pissed. The day after, I remember just having one-on-ones with a head of content, head of media, head of uh, GM, everybody. And I was just telling them, I was just, all of a sudden, the, the ambition just grew and it was already high, you know? And I was like, shit, we have to just look better at the way we hire people. We have to look better at, okay, do you think this person is like this person that can carry the light show of our show in the long term, 10 years from now? And we're the number one in the world. Can this person carry the light show? Yes or no? No. Okay. Then why do we have this person? Right? It's not a bad. It's and, not a bad way to think. But no, dude, it's not a bad way to think. It's just, it's like, it's uncomfortable to think like that. Like, it's very uncomfortable. It's to very think like uncomfortable. That. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's like that's what you got to. That's what you have to be to be the best. You have to work with the best. I mean, there's no reason. Like the way that I look at it is, if there's someone who's done it, that person is just human. That person is just somebody who spent a lot of time figuring yeah, that out. But they're yeah. just human, right? That's a very good point. That's a very good point. It's like we idolize. I mean, you I idolize Hans idolize. Zimmer. I idolize, uh, I don't know, fucking whatever it is, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo, LeBron James, uh, whoever. You should is, 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 It's just people, bro. It's, it's just people. people. So I'll tell you, like, okay, so you idolize Hans Zimmer and you're at the concert and you're like, fuck, like, I should be able to do this. Okay, so if you put in 30 years into figuring out music and playing music and then you hire the team and you spent the money, you, you do it. It's not, like, it's, not like, it's not like a complicated pathway. To get that done. And, and, and if you don't reach that level of genius, at least you will be close enough to be comparable, right? Yes. That's, what I, that, that's what I think is very possible, right? Because, of course, you can get born with traits, right? And Hans Zimmer has traits that I will never have, and that's just life. That's just normal. But do you, you believe, know? do you honestly believe that if you put your whole life and you put 12 to 14 plus hours a day, every single day doing it, that you couldn't look. Come it across. depends on what. I, I think. I think you, you you have a point for some things. I think something. Some other things. 
the way in which you get born and your upbringing, which you have no control over, true, has a lot more to say about. Like, I think for art specifically, if if you're talking like surgeon, maybe you do still need to be very still. So things that require physicality, right? LeBron James, you need to be told. And so there are things that you can't yeah. just work on. Um, but but but. And I think art is one of those things that just your brain has to be fucked up in a way that only like like the insane artists. Yeah. yeah. Um but but let's imagine you have the bare minimum and just do spend those thirty years doing what you said. At least you will be close enough to be comparable. Yeah. Right? I agree with that. And 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 if that's the the max you achieve, then so be it. That considered a success, right? But yeah, you're right. It's just people. It's just people. People that when they speak, they fuck up sometimes. They're shy sometimes. They're happy sometimes. They're sad sometimes. Yeah. They cry sometimes. They have shitty nights. They have shitty mornings. They have happy mornings. It's just people, bro. And it's like people also, you know, in a, at a different scale, right? It's not like I'm fucking, it's not like I'm Barack Obama, but people idolize me at times, right? Especially in the yeah. gaming community, right? And, I, and I'm thinking to myself and I tell them the same, right? I'm like, bro, like, yes. I had something uh, that made me a good player, right? Yes, it's correct. But what made me a good player is not, is not necessarily what made me good at my job right now. And I consider yeah. myself better at my job right now than I was as a player. So I do think that the vast majority of available jobs and career opportunities and things you can do, you can actually work yourself into. And you're just human, just like Elon Musk and these other people. Yeah. Yes, some of them are incredibly fucked up in the head in a good or a bad way that leads them <laughs> to these positions. Uh, uh, and, and you might never be able to be Elon Musk, but you don't have to be Elon Musk, you know? No. Like you can create your own value just following your own path, you know? I, I fully I fully believe that. And, and that's why I think that I think to have that that outlook on life that that I think you have to be like a little bit a little bit like off to like think like that too because it's like it's incredibly ambitious but if you don't think like that then you're never going to get started because like why would you like if you don't think like that then logically you would assume that you can't achieve that and if you're if most people are logical and rational and if you have already decided that you can't achieve that and you idolize that person then you're not going to start from day one because you're like well why would i ever start yeah, something that the, i can't the finish the people you hire the work you put in everything you're going to hold yourself to the standard of that's below what that best case scenario looks like and so you know you're going to hire worse you're going to work worse you're going to be less creative and and you know what, what was yeah. the sentence is that um yeah i said say when you need to survive you just get creative you find like, a way i love it okay next question next question <laughs> in this, yeah in this another another fire. uh yeah rapid fire my <laughs> ass bro it's been like half an hour of rapid fires so we suck man <laughs> uh, no it's it's awesome this is all be good this will, this will be good social shit we'll do like some little right, like, cool. of this like it'll be good um, biggest challenge uh, you've overcome in your personal life? What was it? How'd you overcome it? What'd you learn from it? Um, yeah, my wife, um, well, fiance. So when we when we had our son five years and a half ago, she had an incredibly tough postpartum, and she almost died actually. So um, yeah, that that part is like, I mean, gave me perspective. I guess it's like nothing yeah. else. Nothing else scares me. You know, because I saw what real fear is like. And even looking back, I don't even remember those that, that one year. I don't remember, bro. I don't know how my days look like. I don't know. It's crazy because I'm very um, conscious about what happens in my life and like my in my brain. And in, I'm very, 
transparent with myself. Um, when I have a problem, I tell myself what the problem could be, and I try to. I don't know. I'm very straightforward with my. There's no bullshit with myself, you know. Yeah. I'm very real, and I swear to God, bro. I don't know what the fuck happened that year. I don't remember. I don't. I I can't recall. I can't recall. I know I was existing. It was and like where I was living was and everything, like but it's like I don't know. I don't. I don't even know if it's overload. I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, that that moment is like, yeah, it 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 built. Uh, I mean, of course, my relationship with my with my fiance is like, like what else can be important enough to lose our shit over yeah. nothing you know yeah so it's like everything becomes secondary but at a personal level you know just knowing i mean the 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 fact that your life is finite yet the life though those around you is finite um yeah that it puts it in perspective yeah it allows you to enjoy things more and live fullest more and take more leaps of faith I mean, I'm going to New York to live with my life, with my family, you know? My life is perfect right now. <laughs> and and why would I change anything and add complications? And like, I don't know. I just want to do it. It's like, no, the, so what? If it goes wrong, so what? I can always just go back to Spain, no? Whatever it is. I like, what's the, what's the matter, you know? So I guess that's the biggest thing I have overcome. And it's a bit selfish because it wasn't me who overcame it. It's my wife, my fiance. But, yeah. but you know, it mentally it was it was yeah i had to work a lot on it but i'm over it and it's i'm a better guy as a result if you had to choose one person and it could be your wife too but if you had to pick one person although there's been many that have helped you in your in your life mentored you um who was that person and what did they teach you yeah so I, i'll say i'll say can i say more than one Another uh, yeah. fucking up yeah. your rapid fire. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I'll say, I'll say, my wife, um, definitely, fiance, yeah. Uh, I call her always my wife, so whatever. Um, she, Rose, uh, she, she's, um, she's very uh, ambitious as well, and she demands the best from me as well, in a non-intrusive way, right? She just knows what triggers me the right way, and and tells me what I need to hear to piss me off, uh, and be better. And she's my backbone. Same for my son, right? So of course, I think family is almost like is like cheating. The question, those two, my son and my wife, need to be there, obviously. But then I have to add Jens Hilgers, my yeah. mentor. Um, he's taught me so many things, bro. Like, I mean, I have no university career. Um, my only career is the career of <laughs> just business life. Of losing my money, of being borderline, of being at the at the verge of uh, losing the company, running out of funds, of getting creative in all kinds of ways, of never uh, sacrificing my moral compass um, for for short term gains, which have given me now the long term credibility with partners and investors and the like. Uh, I don't know. I feel like um, every conversation I've had with Jens has been I've, I've learned something and i'd like to think of the same way for him and me uh, although i'm I'm the student uh, we are very different he's a very german he's very structured he's very um his thoughts are very clearly put together his yeah. commandment of the english language is incredible mm -hmm. uh, 
and 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 he's very ambitious as well. So that's something we share. But I'm more, you know, he's more data driven, whereas I'm more gut driven. I'm more like I connect with people through emotions uh, a lot more, and the gestures of the people I'm talking to. Um, I'm much more reactive when talking to people, reacting to how they will react, you know. But um, we've, 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 I think we're both a very good tech team. So I'd say Jens Hilgers, yeah, that's the guy. Good. No, very good. Um, if you had to pick uh, a book or podcast or some something you've consumed mm-hmm. in your life that you'd recommend people go check out? I'd say book, uh, Meditations, Marcus Aurelius. Mm-hmm. I really like that one a lot. I also liked, even though I didn't like the book as much when I finished it, it's a book that I always think of when I, like, thinking back, which is called Outliers. Mm. And that book taught me that, um, I don't know, for example, like some, you know, the, the best athletes in football got born a specific year or a specific month, sorry. And that's for a reason, you know, that means that they're like the largest in their class. And so yeah. they play better. And so uh, playing better that year because they're larger, they have more leverage, physical leverage over the rest. All of a sudden they grow up confidently knowing they're the best. So it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. And mm-hmm. they become better and better and better and better. And that's mathematically, it's a, math, it's, a, it's, a, it's a numbers game, you know? It becomes a numbers game. And so that taught me, that book taught me that um, a lot of it is in your head. So, you know, the famous fake it till you make it. I hate the actual saying, but... In a way, in many situations, it is so true. Like you just have to, dude, you have to walk like you own it. Yeah. You have to, and I'm not saying be like arrogant in this, oh, I know everything. No, no, no. It's like confidence. A, a, a big portion of confidence comes from saying, I have no fucking idea about this. Like we need someone that knows more than me that can just make my face go red, you know? I'm I need someone that figuring it and being okay with that too. Being okay absolutely. Not By the way, Jens yeah. gives me shit all the time. Like I'm telling you, like he gives me so much shit. It doesn't <laughs> matter when I think I'm on the, at the top of the of the of the food chain. He comes and just says, "You piece of shit. You know nothing because pop 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 pop." And then I okay, I understand. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's you know just keeping you grounded, bro. It's a must have, you know. But yeah, I feel like confidence is a must have, bro. I just. Just confidence, like deep confidence. I'm not saying like, oh, you know, like, no, I'm saying deep confidence, you know? Being okay yeah. with being wrong, seeking feedback, while still knowing that if you deploy that feedback, you're going to be the number one. What would you tell your 20-year-old self? <sighs> what would I tell my 20-year-old self? <sighs> Don't call it gamers too, you Spanish son of a bitch. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I actually don't hate the name. It's not that bad. I think you're hard on yourself. Brother. That's like that's like a Spanish person just gathered his Russian friend and they came up with an English name for a team. Okay. <laughs> like the least english native thing you can think of bro so bad oh my god okay last question last question what does success mean to you um success for me is enjoy so i consider myself successful if i'm enjoying the misery that comes with following a tough path 
That's a good one. I've never heard that yeah, one yeah. before. That's that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like a constant fucking misery. I mean, it's like, holy shit, this goes wrong. Holy fuck, this goes wrong. Things are going good. No, my brain just makes up some shit, and all of a sudden, we are terrible. We're trash. We are. Why are why are we not Marvel? Well, and there's like there's like that misery, like knowing that there's so much to do, knowing that you could be so much better, knowing that you're in control of your actions, meaning you are the reason for your failures, is at first a lot of stress to go through, but at the same time, it's so liberating because you're in control. Actually, you feel you're in control, you know? You are where the back stops. And so for me, success is enjoying that process. And, and it's hard to enjoy the process like at a shallow level because when, when you feel, when you're dealing with miserable shit, you have, you, you, it's, not, it's not like pleasant in that moment, but at a deep level, if you do enjoy it, if you if Monday comes and you're waking up knowing, okay, let's fix some shit, you know? It's like, that's success to me, you know? I love and it's that. not for everyone, but it works for me, man. I want to take a second and thank Indeed. They're a huge sponsor of the Success Story podcast. And as business leaders, we're all driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. It's to match with Indeed. Now, if you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. You need to ditch the busy work. You need to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster, all the tools you need are in one spot. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite. Now, as a business owner, I always remember when my company hits a growth spurt. It's great, but then you realize that things start to break. Things are taking three times as long. Manual processes start to bury your team in paperwork and admin, and you really don't have one reliable source of data or truth to understand how healthy your business is. If this sounds familiar, you have to know three numbers. 37,000, that's how many businesses have upgraded to NetSuite, the number one cloud financial system. 25, NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years streamlining accounting, inventory, HR, and more for growing companies. And one, because your business truly is one of a kind, NetSuite gives you customized solutions so you can manage everything about your business in one place, from inventory to invoicing, one powerfully efficient system. I love having all of my data in one spot. NetSuite allows me to do that. It gives me the big picture so I can make smarter decisions. And they turn complex financials into understandable actionable insights. Right now, you can get NetSuite's popular KPI checklist for free to help improve your business. It's designed to help you boost performance across key areas of your business. Go to netsuite.com slash scottclary to download the checklist and see how one complete system can transform your growth. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Get more control in your business 
with NetSuite. Just a quick question. Have you ever had one of those oh no moments when you realize that you accidentally deleted a huge file or worse, your whole computer dies? I know I have. It's happened to me a lot, but don't sweat it. The sponsor of today's episode, Backblaze, they have your back. It is unlimited backups for all your Macs, your PCs, or even your whole company. And it's really affordable, under a hundred bucks a year. If you're running a business, they take the stress out of protecting everyone's data. If you need more bells and whistles for compliance, so on and so forth, they have enterprise options too. Honestly, losing data sucks, but Backblaze makes getting it back easy. They have restored billions of files. They offer tons of restore options, including rapid recovery in an event of data loss or ransomware. And you can access your backed up data from everywhere and anywhere in the world using their web app, iOS, or Android apps. It's been recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and tons more. And best, you can try it fully featured with no risk at backblaze.com slash story. They set up that link for all Success Story podcast listeners. That is a no-risk free trial at backblaze.com slash story. Seriously, back up your stuff. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all success story podcast listeners get 20% off your delete me plan when you go to join deleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout the only way to get 20% off is to go to join deleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout j-o-i-n-d-e-l-e-t-e-m-e.com slash success I want to thank Belay for sponsoring today's episode. They provide solutions that all of us need. They help us get back more of our time because time is the most precious resource. A lot of you listening are business leaders, entrepreneurs. You know that if you spend your time incorrectly, it can make or break your business, your personal, professional relationships. It can completely sidetrack you and stop you from reaching your goals. So I'm going to ask you, are you protecting your time? How much of your day is eaten up by tasks that could have been done by someone else. Wouldn't you rather spend your time on things that truly matter? The answer should be yes, because you have to, to move the needle on whatever it is you're trying to build. That's where Belay comes in. They are the nation's largest pool of exceptional US-based talent. Belay offers flexible staffing solutions to free you up. Need a virtual assistant to conquer those pesky administrative tasks or maybe an accounting professional to really keep your finances in order. Belay can help with all that and way more. Their personalized matching process saves you the headache of hiring by finding the perfect match for your needs in as little as a week. Focus on what matters the most with the help from Belay. Text SUCCESS That's S-U-C-C-E-S-S to 55123 to learn more and get started. 